Rosemary had been able to put the sauce that is not the word the sauce <laughs> oil oh yeah <laughs> some yummy lamp oil Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter 26, Skilling. Getting close to the end of uh, end of Royal Assassin here. I know. After this chapter we only have like four more chapters? Well, it go. it's actually quite a few. It goes up to chapter 33 and then the epilogue. But this is like the start of... The end. Yeah, the start of the last... Climax, the last plot here. There's not very much book left in my hand, so. <laughs> the beginning part of this chapter goes through a excerpt from Chade's writings on the Forged Ones and skilling in general. Mainly how the Forged Ones aren't evil necessarily, they just have lost their ability to be a part of society, they have lost their ability to feel... And he specifically says their emotions did not simply stop, they were forgotten, lost them so entirely that they could not even predict the behavior of other humans based on emotional reaction. So that whole part of their brain was gone. Mm -hmm. And he also mentions that a skilled one might be seen as the other end of that spectrum, that they have an increased sensitivity to emotions and thoughts of others, and therefore has more of what the Forged Ones are lacking. And in that case, that might be what drew the Forged Ones to Verity as he was skilling out from Buckkeep. Because when he left, they stopped going towards Buckkeep. Right. And I found it very interesting that specifically twice, I believe, it says something about how skilling is part of what people are feeling mm -hmm. um whether that's imposing your own feelings on others or knowing what they're feeling which is interesting because i thought that was all wit and it seems as though there's a little bit of an overlap in some way yeah there's definitely overlap and that's why the wit and skilled fits chivalry has all that ability amplified like we've been talking about i think mm -hmm. Because of that, you know, the ability to link your mind with somebody around you with the skill and then the raw emotion and attitude of somebody with the wit just like amplified throughout hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. It's interesting. Very. And in this, Chade is musing on whether or not this lack of emotion is what drove the Forged Ones to... Verity. Yeah. Did his reaching out awaken in them a hunger, a remembrance, perhaps, of what they had lost? And Yeah, and it says that once Verity left, there were no more forged ones yeah. spotted coming towards the castle. So pretty clearly, it is definitely Verity. <laughs> Drawn by skill. Yes, yes, definitely the skill, but 
but we don't know if it's specifically the specific reasons why technically true we jump into the chapter exactly where we left off where Fitz and Beric were leaving the Great Hall to go to the King to enact their plan that they had created here to contact Verity with the skill and they knock on the door fool opens it up and does not let them in he just kind of like cracks it and says no starts to close the door and Fitz and Beric push their way in past the fool I took no joy in proving that I was physically stronger than he was the look in his eyes as I forced him aside was something no one should ever see in a friend's face the fool knows a little bit of what's happening and and like we discussed last episode mm-hmm. he knows that the king can possibly die from this and that's yes. probably a good chance that the king can die from this yeah and not only that the th- the king could die but whatever happens tonight will be the thing that pushes shrewd into for sure dying yeah. so even if he doesn't die tonight this is the path that leads towards early mm-hmm. death rather than a comfortable one a few years later, presumably. Right. Yeah. So Beric and Fitz gain access to the king's chambers. They see Ketrakin, queen-in-waiting, sitting by the king, and Rosemary dozing at her feet. So it's just those four in there. Wallace is a guest down at the feast still, and they noted that, that he is alone, and it probably won't be like this after tonight. Yeah, this will be the last chance to see the king. Fitz coming in, of course, surprises Ketrickin, and she is asking what he's doing there, and he asks her to remember and basically brings up the skill again, saying... You know, remember when you and Verity first like talked, when you were promised to him, he spoke in your mind and showed himself, I was there too, don't be embarrassed by it, we'll breeze past that really quick. Yeah. <laughs> no um, need to think about it for too long. He connected to you by the skill, which is a hereditary magic that the Farseers mostly have, which I have as well, and I believe that we can contact Verity with this magic through King Shrewd. And she tells him, or excuse me, he tells her that he doesn't believe that Verity is dead. And goes on to explain like their plan, like, yes, maybe we can do this with King Shrewd. He can use my strength to contact his son. Mm-hmm. And the fool, again, is, is still trying to stop this plan because there's a few reasons why, but he explains it will kill him. I've heard what the the skill takes out of a man. My king has not that left to give. And Fitz, of course, is arguing against this, and the fool still goes on, saying, Even a fool can see the failure of your logic. If you reach Verity, how will we know it is true and not a show? Of course, my dear, dear Fitz, we should all believe you, as you are our friend, who has only our very best interests at heart, but there may be so few others prone to doubt your word or regard you as so selfless, his sarcasm bit at me like acid. And if you don't reach Verity, what do we have? An exhausted and drained king to be further flaunted about as incapable, a grieving queen who must wonder, in addition to all her other pains, if perhaps she grieves for a man who is not dead yet. 
That is the worst type of grieving there is. No, we gain nothing even if you succeed, for our belief in you would not be enough to stop the wheels that are already turning, and we have much to lose if you fail. Too much. And that speech kind of helps to turn Beric as well. Yeah. It has changed Beric's mind and made him look at the bigger picture and not just, well, if we prove Verity's alive, everything will get fixed, which is a little naive in itself. I see where it comes from, but the fool laying it out the way he has has pointed out that even if they do make contact... How do they prove it? Because Fitz isn't known to have... In fact, it's widely known that he does not have the skill. Right. Because he failed the training. So it'd be very easy to dismiss him. And it could hurt the king even more, which is all of the people in there's only protection at the moment. (laughs) Which it ends up doing. Yeah. So obviously these are great reasons not to do this, but... But Fitz is not convinced. Yeah. Why do you think he so strongly pushes on through? Birk asks him about it later as well, and they talk about it. Um, it could possibly be addiction. But also, it might just be what you explained before, that hope that Verity has to be alive. And probably for more than just the kingdom reasons for Fitz, it's probably personal reasons as well. He just needs to know if Verity's alive. Mm. I was wondering if it was a little bit of naivety. of Could be. Ver- if Verity is alive and we contact him, he will fix this. Just like a short-sightedness on Fitz's part. Could be, yeah. Fitz knows, like we mentioned before, that it was now or it would not happen at all because Wallace was out of the way and Regal was busy below. He never talked to Chate about it, and he kind of wishes he had at this point, but it's now or never. And so he says, he is still the king. Let us ask him and let him decide. The fool, of course, is saying not fair. He's not himself. Basically, he's super pliable with all the, the pain meds that, he's, that they give him. He can't really make a rational decision for himself and for his well-being at the moment. Right. Like, fit, or the fool is saying that if you gave him a or if you told him to kill himself he would just ask wait for the knife yeah and do it it's just not a good time king shrewd pipes up and says no no my fool i am not so far gone as that but he doesn't say anything else so fitz in that silence crouches down and asks him do you believe verity is dead And Schroeder replies that Regal has told me Verity is dead. He had word from a messenger, he thinks. Mm -hmm. So Fitz and Beric have a discussion about if that's possible, and and Fitz knows that it would have to be a messenger coming down. And they talk through all the parts that don't make quite make sense. Mostly, if it was from the mount a messenger from the mountains, why wouldn't they have told Ketrickin first herself in person? Also, why would they leave immediately and not stay with Ketrikan if they're from the mountains? Right. And then if it wasn't someone from the mountains, who would have come? How would they have gotten here in time? Yeah, and and this is what we 
I was talking about last episode when you were asking about timeline, Emma. Mm-hmm. And this is where Birik says that they could come in a relay and Fitz goes through the days that he last knew Verity was alive. And Birik says it's still possible if Verity were killed that day and word were sent out immediately and the riders and horses were both good, it could be so. Barely. So technically it could have happened that he did die and the riders were sent, but there's a lot of hints that this is not so. And especially so that they know that Regal has, you know, a motive to lie about this. Mm -hmm. And he's been the one to say it. He's the one who heard word. It just feels a little suspicious. But to be fair, Regal didn't have, didn't know that he had to follow a timeline because he doesn't know Fitz even had contact with right. Ver. I mean, he knows that something's going on, but I don't think he realizes that Fitz was letting Verity live in his mm-hmm. head for so long. So it's really honestly super good timing on Regal's part because it isn't true and he just made it up. But yeah. the fact that the day he picked just happened to be one that feasibly could be true mm-hmm. is actually pretty lucky on his part. And also, in terms of your your questioning, why would the mountain messenger not stay mm-hmm. with Ketrakin? It's because if it was a relay, it would be a different rider. Right. So the mountain messenger would take the first leg, and then it would be inland duchy people who would go directly to Regal. So technically, it is plausible True. that a messenger could have come. Right. And they would not have stayed because they don't care about Ketrakin, because mm-hmm. it's an inland yes. duchy person who's be like... This white fish or white cow or whatever they call her. (laughs) I think both, probably. Yeah, both. So there is that doubt still lingering in Birik's mind. He doesn't dissuade Fitz in this moment or speak up much more than giving his expertise on if that timeline would be possible. Mm -hmm. But there is that little, you know, that little hint that this this could be true that Faraday could be dead yeah technically right and Fitz uses that and runs with it in which he asks do you really he asked Rude, do you really think your son could go like that just in the middle of nowhere and you wouldn't feel anything and then we learn a little a little detail of chivalry's death that is really sad mm-hmm. chivalry went like that like a fading whisper Father, he said, I think. Father. The silence descends, and after a time, Shrewd raises his hand and puts it on Fitz's shoulder. I'm sure beneath all of this, Shrewd, despite being, you know, what we know he is, a shrewd king, a shrewd man, Mm -hmm. a man who plots and uses his tools as he sees fit for the future of the kingdom he's still a father and he wants to know about his sons yeah pointing that detail out i think fitz really got to him saying like you need closure on this because you Mm -hmm. didn't hear anything yeah and shrewd reaches out and goes for the skill yeah it is really interesting that chivalry's death was so quiet and that he reached out for his father in his last moment. We know he died on horseback. Uh, something happened on horseback. 
uh, we're not sure Emma, what. we know he fell from horseback and died instantly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hmm. Duh. I, I feel like Patience would have seen if it was like an arrow or something. Yeah, it, I mean... It, it had to have been poison of some sort, poison, right? It was probably poison, yeah. But wild. Really sad, though. So Fitz and True tumble into the Skill River. We tumble together in the sweeping current of the world. There's no one here. No one here but us anymore. Shrewd sounded lonely. And Fitz is starting to lose himself in this. He hears a disembodied voice filling and floating around him. It's Verity's voice saying, Being open is simply not being closed. The whole world was a spaceless place, all things inside of all other things. I did not say his name aloud or think of his face. Verity was there, had always been right there, and joining him was effortless. You live! Of course. But you won't, spilling all over like this. You're pouring out everything you have in one gush. Regulate your strength. Be precise. He steadied me, shaped me back into myself, then gasped in recognition. Father! Verity pushed at me roughly. Get back! Let go of him! He hasn't the strength for this! You're draining him, you idiot! Let go! It was like being repelled, but rougher. Before I move on to the rest of that scene, I do want to comment that he, Verity is telling Fitz that he's using all of his strength in one gush. He's not using the strength that he has in a precise manner. So he's draining the king at probably an astronomical rate yes. of his strength and just shoving it all into this, trying to find Verity. Yeah. So it's super dangerous. Oh, for sure. It's very surprising that the king lives, especially because we know what has happened to him yeah. for the past however long that he's been being slowly drained of skill. I'm surprised that he made it through this whole ordeal. And so Fitz wakes up and he's collapsed. He can barely move or see or anything, but he sees that the king's lips were blue puffing in and out with each breath, and there was a bluish cast to his skin. Fitz demands that they do something in the room, and obviously no one there knows what to do, so he kind of croaks out elf bark, and they prepare a tea. Birk starts feeding it to the king, who can't swallow, but forces him to swallow with his knowledge. And the king seems to stabilize a little bit. He's still in a very rough spot, Ketrickin feeds some to Fitz, and Fitz is in his head this whole time saying like, yeah, I skilled, but I had tapped my king's strength to do it. You will be the death of kings, the fool had told me. A prophecy or a shrewd guess? A shrewd guess. Tears came to my eyes. And so, as they're feeding the tea, of course everyone's worried about if Shrewd is going to live through this and right. Fitz hears that yes he'll he'll live which is a huge relief uh, and Regal barges in pretty much right at that moment mm -hmm. my father Regal shouted the words he stood swaying in the door red face face red with drink and anger behind him I glimpsed his guard and little Rosemary peeping around the corner wide eyed 
Somehow she managed to slip past the men to race to Ketrikan and clutch at her skirts. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wasn't she just sleeping on the floor in front of Ketrikan? How did she get out by Regal's guards? Mm, interesting. What a small <laughs> detail I 100% did not remember. <laughs> and didn't pick up on either, because I'm all like, is the king going to die? But <laughs> the first read through. But this time I'm like, oh, I can't believe that little snitch. <laughs> yep. Went and ran and got the guards and Regal. Do you think Regal had told her, if Fitz comes, come get me? Probably. Something like that. Or just anyone in general. Because I don't think he would care about the king's safety. But also, why would he care? Oh, I guess because he thinks there's a conspiracy, which yeah. low-key there kind of is a conspiracy At this point, going on. He doesn't think that, though. Jade mentions that later. He says that right. Regal assumes that he won, everything is good to go, but now that people showed up and something happened in the king's room, he's like, maybe it's not over. Maybe there is a conspiracy. But he thought there was a conspiracy because that's why he beat up the fool to begin with. That Someone somebody... was talking to yes. Verity. Yes. Yeah, that Verity is somehow still has his strings here or something. But, but with this and with the news of Verity being dead, he thinks he's cut everything out. And so this, like, reawakens his suspicions again. Right. So I think it was just if Regal or Beric, or, or excuse me, if Fitz goes to the, the king's room, let me know. Because after this, he does clamp down on Fitz's, you know, quarantine of Buckkeep as well again. And yeah. A bunch of stuff. So I really do think that was, like, the warning. Like, if anyone tries to mess with the king or without my knowing... I don't know. Yeah. He sweeps into the room and basically asks, what are you doing? What are you feeding him? What's going on? And everyone has a pretty convincing story kind of pop out of their mouth that the fool says that the king had another attack. Elf bark tea is common restorative, and I'm sure that even Wallace has heard of it. And Regal kind of subsides slightly and asks what's Fitz doing then he's on the ground he's being fed tea as well and Ketrikin says he's drunk stable master get him out of here you should have stopped him before he got this far next time see that you use your judgment when he has none of his own our stable master is well known for having his own taste for the cup lady queen I suspect they have been at it together Regal sneered which is rich coming from the guy who's so drunk. <laughs> it has his wine glass still in hand, right. like swaying as he talks. Like mm, they're known for drinking those lame peasants. Like okay, Regal. <laughs> the news of Verity's death hit him hard. Birk said simply, and Birk grabs Fitz roughly and drags him out. And Fitz doesn't really have a hard time acting drunk yep. because he is very weak. So it is hard to stay steady on his feet and to keep his head upright. Yeah. And as he was walking out or being dragged out by Burek, he heard Queen Ketrikin rebuking Regal, saying he should be below with his guests and promise, promising that she and the fool could get the king to bed. As we were going up the stairs, I heard Regal and his guard coming down. They got Regal out of there pretty quickly, luckily. Uh, and luckily they tricked him for now. Yeah. But 
he's still ranting and complaining that he was not stupid and he could tell a plot when he saw one. It worried me, but I, had fairly, I was fairly certain he had no real idea of what had been going on. So this is where Regal's suspicions get sparked again, a little bit. Mm -hmm. He knows he's won, but still there might be something on the background that he doesn't want going on, so he'll stamp that out how he can. Right. But also, if I'm being honest, would it have taken Regal really anything more than just a weird look from Fitz to think there was something going on? He's a little Probably crazy. Not. Yeah. <laughs> to, to his benefit... There is something going yeah, on he right. doesn't know about. He's not really wrong about yeah. any of his guesses, to be honest. <laughs> Being super fair to him, there is a secret thing going on that he has no hand in. But on the offside of that, it's because he's a tyrant and the worst person ever. So, of course, there's things going on. But so I don't want to make it seem like he's delusional. He's just a little bit too full of himself in yeah. thinking that. Clearly, the reason is because no one wants to see him on the throne, not because of who he is as a person, but they're just mad because he's so much better than them, which is misplaced. But yeah, I don't think I think even if tonight wouldn't have happened, he would have found some reason to think there was something going on. So as they get to. Fitz's room. Fitz has to open up the door and Burek waits and he follows Fitz in, in which he tells him, if I had a dog that was as sick as often as you are, I'd put it down. He observed kindly. Do you need more elf bark? And now Burek is very worried about Fitz. Oh yeah, extremely. He was worried before, but I think that's overshadowed by the literal king almost dying. And then after that's been kind of taken care of the most immediate threat is done now it's time to worry about Fitz and Bjork wants to know what's going on and are you addicted to skilling yeah well he sets down the cup of elf bark that he makes for elf bark tea that he makes for Fitz and then looks about himself something like disgust was on his face why do you live like this he demanded like what in so bare a room with so little care for it I've seen wintered quartered tents that were homier than this room. It's as if you've ex never expected to stay here more than a night or two longer. I shrugged. I've never given it much thought. There was a silence for a bit. You should, he said unwillingly, and you should think about how often you're hurt or sick. This is so interesting because this is coming from the man who made Fitz sleep basically on his hearth like a dog for most <laughs> of his childhood. Didn't really, did he really ever give Fitz any knickknacks or anything? Did Fitz have a, I don't know, a a knack for decoration while he was there or something? It's just odd. And also, he was there for Fitz's childhood. He knows that Fitz isn't really welcome in the keep and that he doesn't really fit in because he is a bastard of royalty. And why would Fitz... I don't know, it just seems odd that his, that Bjork is just now realizing, hey, Fitz kind of lives like there's no permanence in his situation, as though he doesn't feel like he has a home here at all. And he's been living like this his whole life. Yeah, I think com combined with that last sentence, you should think about how often you're hurt or sick. 
it, it really shows a concern for how Fitz has been living recently and his thoughts on the matter because like we mentioned before, Birka is thinking about how willingly Fitz throws himself into dangerous situations and looking at a room that is just bare stone walls with a very old tapestry that was there beforehand, a bed and a chest with clothes and some herbs. Presumably a desk. Maybe. Well, he has to read the <laughs> scroll somewhere. I assume it's on a desk. Maybe. I thought they were all on his bed. Oh. <laughs> I guess I just put it in a desk in my mind. <laughs> it, it's an extremely sparse room that, with, with all the furniture that had been there beforehand. Yeah. He doesn't have a hobby in there. He doesn't have any accumulated things over, you know, the 10 years he's been living there. That's a good point. There's literally nothing to show any personality besides a chest with his clothes in it. Yeah. It's probably also not cleaned. <laughs> yeah, it's probably really gross. He does He does mention that, uh, let me see here. He built up a fire, put water in the kettle, and set it to heat. He found a pot and put in flaked elf bark, then found a mug and wiped the dust out of it. <laughs> so, obviously Fitz doesn't really clean very often either. So, right. it's literally just a place he to sleep. sleep. Well, to be fair, he is worried about his life all of the time and so he can't really make it homey because that's a weakness and all of his hobbies are like killing people right yeah (laughs) but i think burek is like realizing right that and how you know how he should look after himself a little bit more i just am frustrated by it because he's talking to fitz as though it's this 17 year old boy like has no reason to have such a bare room and why isn't Fitz more normal as though any part of Fitz's life has been normal. I don't know. It just makes me a little frustrated that Burek doesn't have more care about, wow, probably I'm part of the reason it's like this or in some capacity because I raised him and instead is like, you're an adult. You should know better. I don't, that's like the tone I get from this is, you should be taking better care of yourself, young man. I don't know if well, that makes sense. Birk did take way better care of his room and his places, and he, he taught Fitz way better. Sure, I mean, yeah. He says, in so bare a room with so little care for it. So obviously this room is like not kept at all. So I, right. I feel like it's a little bit, you know, admonishment of like, hey, I taught you better than this, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> But also, I feel like it's, I don't know, I I don't see it as you should be normal or like other people. I see it as like, you're not taking care of your room like I taught you and you don't think you're going to be here very long and you're throwing yourself into these dangerous situations. Have a care of how sick or hurt and how often that happens. I think it's it comes out more of a place of concern for his well-being and his fatalistic tendencies and, right. and suicidal tendencies, Obvious, honestly. Yeah, I guess I don't disagree that it's coming from a place of worry and parental kindness. I guess it just... I rubs you the wrong way? Yeah, it does rub me the wrong way. And I don't know what it is about it, but it just feels like 
he should have been saying this earlier, maybe. It's not like this <laughs> is the get first to his time. Room very yeah. often. <laughs> well, it's not the first time either, though. This is like, I don't know. Not the first time. And so I guess I'm just like, okay, just now when it's life or death, you're like, huh, maybe I should have taught Fitz to care more about <laughs> things <laughs> instead of people. And they have a discussion about what happened tonight. Birik basically saying, you know, you're the one who pressed for it. You didn't really have to do this. Again, it didn't prove anything, just like the fool said. And Fitz basically saying, I had to do it. Birik goes on to explain a little bit more. He says, I, I know a little bit about the skill. I was a king's man for chivalry, and this, what happens to you, didn't happen to me every single time. It only happened a couple times, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I know that the completion of it, the oneness of the world is is super, you know, it, it feels amazing and a man can get addicted, Chivalry said, so that that man might look for excuses to skill. And then finally, he is absorbed into it. It's not unlike the rush of battle in some ways, the sense of moving unhampered by time, of being a force more powerful than life itself. Fitz says, As I cannot skill alone, I dare say it is not a danger to me. Birk responds, you offer yourself very often to those who can. As often as you willingly plunge yourself into dangerous situations that offer that same kind of excitement. In a battle, you go into a frenzy. Is that what happens when you, to you when you skill? I had never considered the two together in such light. Something like fear nibbled at me. I pushed it aside. And Fitz as he's pushing that aside, really pushes back against that and says, it had to be done. I had to do it. I'm a king's man. And they kind of move on from that direct conversation about Fitz's well-being. Right. But I found the imagery of Fitz coming apart in the same way he does in the Skill River while he's battling very interesting. Like Fitz, I had not thought of his skill in that way or his battle frenzy in that way and it must come from some level of not having control i suppose yeah i feel like it's it is very similar it's that you lose your sense of self Mm -hmm. because to study yourself in the skill river or when they're walking on the skill road you think like i am me you're centering yourself you Mm -hmm. you get your your whole definition of who you are in your mind and you focus on that. And when you're battling or when he goes into that battle rage berserker mode, he loses exactly who he is and loses himself in those emotions of the people around him and shares that with night eyes. Do you think that's partially because he doesn't know who he is? He has so many compartments and versions of himself that he has to play at any given time. They're masks he picks up depending on who he's with. But I don't know that he's ever just fits. I could definitely see that, yeah. And maybe you do need to be able to find yourself before you can Mm -hmm. successfully wield this magic or battle, apparently. Could definitely be true. I like that. And so they, they talk about what we just spoke on, that they don't really have proof that Verity's alive, even though 
<laughs> even though he did talk to him or you know the king talks to verity you know Beric says great he's alive you said that to the queen i knew it before we went in mm-hmm. i was convinced of that anyways so what did this actually change it's like the fool said regal won't stop his king in waiting ceremony like it's not going to change the king won't speak up for it probably and if you even if he does regal will just carry on anyways right and basically the king in waiting ceremony happens in a week yeah so if you can figure something out between now and then that makes it more concrete good luck And so the effects of the elf bark start to kick in. He got fed a very heavy dose and a bleakness is rolling in on him. And he's thinking, you know, the fool had been right. What I had done counted tonight counted for little, save the peace of mind it brought Ketrikin. Beer kind of looks at him and says, a bleak spirit is sometimes what follows an overindulgence in elf bark go to bed. Fitz is thinking to himself that Maybe that accounts for Verity's often dour moods, and that's almost definitely true. Mm-hmm. When they were feeding him constant elf bark tea supply to help his headaches or, you know, his exha- exhaustion more mm-hmm. so. And as Birk is leaving, he mentions that he has spoke to Molly recently, which, you know, gets Fitz riled up again. <laughs> right. And he lets her, him know that she had been to his room more often than usual and clearly wanted to know about Fitz and Burek let her know that that Fitz missed her Mm -hmm. she said nothing but she blushes very prettily (laughs) and he asks her about if you know anyone has been bothering her lately and she basically says what we expect Molly to say and say, mm-hmm. I can take care of myself. <laughs> Leave me alone. Right. And this kind of worry Burek worries Burek. Mm-hmm. And he asks, do you think she's going to ask for help if she needs it? To which Fitz sighs and says, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, really. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she makes me feel weak and cowardly because she has her own well of braveness that she is not afraid to use. Yeah. And Burek tries to make him feel better by saying, well, clearly she just doesn't understand the stakes and it doesn't make you a coward just because you do, which is a valid point. It is. It's 100% true. He says, I'll watch over her as well as I can, as much as she'll let me. And he leaves. And Fitz is alone with his thoughts. A better man's thoughts would have been solely of his king's plight. I am afraid a good share of mine went to Molly, alone in her room. When I could stand it no more, I rose from my bed and ghosted out into the keep. And he is going to go to Molly's room. He says he's going to be good, just, you know, very, very careful, tap at her door, be there for a few moments, see if she was all right. No more than that, just the briefest of visits. He checks the corridor and it seems empty. He's trying to be silent while going towards the stairs. And then Night Eyes lets him know that he's being followed. Mm-hmm. And he can't stop because then whoever was following him would know that he knows. So he has to just keep going, but he tries to look around nonchalantly 
by itching his shoulder to turn his head. And he notices that... He notices nothing, actually, with the, the glance. Yes, he notices nothing, but when he reaches out with the skill... And when Night Eyes tells him to snuff, oh, yes. to use his wolf senses, he can smell Will. Sweat and garlic. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Not the kind of scent I would want people to describe me as having, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> But also wild that that's how he knows it's Will, which begs a few questions. Number one, what is it about that boy that makes him always smell of sweat and garlic? Does he just have like... Hey, garlic's delicious. So. It is, but how available is it in the... <laughs> I don't know. In the keep? And what's going on with his hygiene habits? Didn't Galen like make them clean rigor- rigorously or something? Yeah. Probably sweat during the day, though. I suppose. I don't know. All I'm saying, it's a little wild that sweat and garlic, it definitely will. (laughs) That's probably, sweat and garlic is probably what Fitz could smell, but he was able to identify Will through Night Eyes's Yes, I'm sure. But it just is funny to think, like, ooh. Yeah. You're known as the guy that smells like garlic and sweat. But he reaches out with the skill then to barely touch the skill shield that hid Will from him, a subtle bidding that I not notice him. A quiet scent of self-confidence sent my way to bolster me in doing whatever I wished to do. Very guileful, very artful, much more delicate a touch than either Serene or Justin had ever shown me. A much more dangerous man. And he is. That's extremely subtle. Yeah. And not something that Galen would have done either. Right. Because Galen was one to say that I am superior to you. I will do, you know, Mm -hmm. you'll do as I wish. And here Will is just sending the slightest hint of confidence to Fitz Mm -hmm. and saying, don't notice me. And that's it. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Also... Okay, don't like to point out when things are wrong, because this is 16 books that Robin Hobb wrote, so clearly there are going to be mistakes. But we know later that Elf Bark blocks you from the skill. Yeah. So technically this shouldn't have worked. Right. Especially with the dosage. Do you think that means didn't that, notice that Elf Bark wasn't thought of until later? Yeah, I think so. I think it's next book, honestly, that they start to use it as like, because Kettle brings it up, you shouldn't be drinking elf bark or using elf bark because it blocks and inhibits skill. Right. But that's so, from the user. But then later it's used whenever in the final series, it's used to protect themselves from the. Yeah. Because in Tawny Man, the Delvin bark, the out Islander version is mm-hmm. much more potent and it blocks anything. Okay. So. So they learn it from that. But Elf Bark still deadens everything. Right. So, yes, I believe you are correct that it's a mistake. Just a little one. And it's not that important. But it did make me think, wait a second. We, he's literally talking about how sad he is from Elf Bark two paragraphs ago. Mm-hmm. And now he's talking about how he was tricked by the skill. So I found that very interesting. And even if... It didn't block Will influencing him. 
Fitz does say very cautiously, I touched the skill shield that hid him from me. So obviously he's using his own yeah, skill to true. identify that. So it's a little, yeah. A little wonky, but little that's wonky okay. There. <laughs> he grabs extra candles as if that was what he was going to grab all along, goes back to his room and just, you know, in his head, he's cataloging everything. Okay, I'm pretty sure Will wasn't in my mind. You know, Will had returned to Buckheap this long ago. What was I doing all of these nights? Did I give anything away? And Night Eyes chimes in saying, you know, I don't think he's followed you before, but I cannot be sure. And Fitz just kind of has to sit there and he's waiting and Jade's door opens like he was kind of expecting and he goes up. It's so weird to think that now... Fitz has to worry about what was I doing for the past several months. Yeah. Which luckily, I think it's not only been seeing a Molly. Couple weeks, to be honest. I'm trying to remember when Will came back because he was stationed up north. Yeah. But still, it's really interesting because Fitz talks about how Will is such an unopposing man and yeah. just kind of a nobody. He doesn't really stick out. He's just. He looks like everybody. He's one of those people that mm-hmm. blends into a crowd, which makes me wonder if that's actually how he is or if that's something he does. Kind of like we know that later. What's his name? It reminds me of Thick later. Because Thick. It's like, don't see me. Don't yes, see me. Moves throughout the keep by saying, don't see me. So maybe Will's been doing it for a really long time. Could be, yeah. Also, you know... I'm wondering who Will is because all the people chosen were royalty or nobles in some way. mm -hmm. I don't remember... He could be a cousin of a cousin or something. Yeah, true, true. But, I mean, (laughs) Fitz is saying he's an unimposing youth and he'd grown to be an unremarkable man. So, obviously, his whole... As he was a kid and growing up, he just wasn't noted or anything like that. So, maybe he has been doing it subconsciously for a while yeah and just figured out how to harness it yeah weird jade pounces on Fitz as he's walking up and he's irate obviously (laughs) an assassin is a tool he informed me in a hiss somehow i never got that across to you we are tools we do not do anything of our own volition i haven't killed anyone i said indignantly shush speak softly I would not be too sure of that were I you. How many times have I done my job, not by putting the knife in myself, but simply by giving someone else sufficient reason and opportunity to do it for me? I said nothing. He looked at me inside, the anger and strength going out of him. Softly, he said, sometimes the best you can do is just salvage work. Sometimes we have to resign ourselves to that. We are not the ones to set the wheels in motion, boy. What you did tonight was ill-considered. And she goes on to explain, after Fitz's objection that Ketrikin didn't think it was ill-considered, that Ketrikin and Trude both would have lived and survived through that. Ketrikin and her child would have lived. Trude would have lived. They would both have been sad. But this doesn't change anything. And there was no reason for Regal to put them aside before. 
Yeah, they were they were completely beaten in Regal's eyes. Right. Well, we just got done from the scene of Regal making Ketrickin little more than just a widow, a foreign widow. Yeah, and a fool for going into battle, risking mm-hmm. a, a baby. And how is Ketrickin going to hide the fact that she knows her husband is alive? Right, exactly. Chade says she did not have to tell him that we were discovered, it will show in her bearing and in her will to resist him. He had reduced her to a widow, you have restored her to a queen-in-waiting. But it's for shrewd that Jade worries about, right. because he has the he has the actual experience, he has the, you know, the proof and the way and, and the word of the king. He can say that Verity is alive and he can stop Regal from becoming king-in-waiting. Things can crash down. Yeah. It's a really good point that Ketrickin is always going to be in danger just by who she is. And, and who Regal is. Who Regal is. But also, she is a foreigner, and that has been played too much. She has help from the coastal duchies, but right now that can't do anything because they're at war. So it's just him pointing out that you've only made it worse for everyone. You've made it more dangerous and put people in danger that did not need to be previously. And Fitz tries to say there's, there's a man underneath all the drugs still in pain. Yes, but he's a shrewd man. He won't tell. And Chade, of course has to make too much sense to Fitz and say, perhaps, but that man is buried deep and drugs like that can make a man take risks. Pain can make a man take risks or assert himself in strange ways. And they get into the conversation where Chade isn't really able to talk to Shrewd very much anymore. Mm-hmm. Fitz kind of asks him, like, couldn't you counsel him not to say anything? And Chade's just like, you know, I could try, but Wallace is always there. And I seldom have more than a few minutes with Shrewd at, at a time anymore. And I am lucky if my brother is lucid for half of them. It's hard. And the fool is helping. He's yeah. getting Wallace out for those few minutes, which is all he really can do. But he also says not even the fool can drive him away for long. Mm-hmm. He's just attached to the king. Yeah. And this makes him mad to think about because he thought he had a good choice when he picked Wallace. Mm-hmm. He was so tactable. He had no idea he was being manipulated. And it was very easy. And now it's all gone. And this... A little bit is Fitz's fault, too, because this happened when Chade was gone and Fitz refused to go see the king. To be fair, Chade didn't give any instructions on Fitz on what to do. (laughs) Right. And he is still a teenager, so it would have been nice of him to do something more. But it's kind of just mistake after mistake piled on, (laughs) I guess. I do want to read this next paragraph here of of chade talking about his brother because we don't get too much insight into chade until the last series the last trilogy mm-hmm. fitz says i am sorry i said quietly sometimes i forget that he is more to you than just your king well we were never really that close that way but we are two old men who have grown old together sometimes that is a greater closeness We have come through time to your day and age. We can talk together, quietly, and share memories of a time that exists no longer. I can tell you how it was, 
but it is not the same. It is like being two foreigners, trapped in a land we have come to, unable to return to our own, and having only each other to confirm the reality of the place we once lived. At least, once we could. Fitz kind of thinks back to two children running wild on the beaches of Buckkeep, of him and Molly, mm-hmm. and just nods. It was possible to be homesick, homesick for a time and to be lonely for the only other person who could recall it. And Chade kind of changes directions there and goes back to, Tonight we contemplate salvage. He asks Fitz not to take actions that will have major consequences anymore. And Fitz feels bad, but responds with, I can't make that promise. Because it seems like every time I do something, it has a major consequence. So I'm going to try my best. But you aren't always available to take counsel with before something happens in the moment. And somehow I always end up making the move that makes the most ripples. Which is part of him being a catalyst, I suppose. And Chade says that. I suppose. Catalyst, he muttered. So the fool calls me too, I complained. Shade stopped abruptly in the midst of starting to say something. Does he really? He asked intently. He clubs, clubs me with the word every chance he gets. And he kind of walks down to Shade's fireplace and asks, or says a different thing, to change the subject. Not deliberately, but he changes it away. Otherwise, I feel like Chade would continue that line of questioning a little bit more intently. Right. I think Chade believes in the fool. Oh, yeah. I I believe there are... I, I don't remember if it was in this book, the last book, or future books, where Fitz goes in and, and sees some of the scrolls are on the White Prophets mm. and like that religion. I think we get an excerpt an excerpt in the beginning of one of the chapters. Again, I don't remember if it was the first book or this book or or what. It hasn't happened yet, yeah. But I believe we get an excerpt from a scroll and it kind of talks about how Chade was looking into that religion a little bit. Which makes sense because the fool came all of a sudden and I'm sure Shrewd talked to his brother and his advisor about the abilities that the fool has to see the future mm-hmm. and he looked into it. Also, he had to have met the fool. They oh, know about yeah, each other, yeah. so I'm sure just talking with him. He seems, I don't want to say superstitious, but because in this world, magic is real and the fool really does see the future, but he's for sure a superstitious old man. And so yeah. he's more susceptible to like believing in things more readily than Fitz is, which is so odd to me because, again, this world does have real magic. Mm-hmm. And Fitz is like, somebody you can tell the future? Pfft, preposterous. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you can talk to a dog through your mind without moving your lips. And you think that's weird? Okay, cool. <laughs> so he ch- kind of changes the subject, again, bringing up what Birik said about bleak spirits with Elfbark. And Chase is just kind of going along with it. Do you find it so? Yes, but it could be the circumstances, yet Verity seemed often depressed, and he used it frequently. Again, it could be the circumstances. And Fitz remarks that Chade has been very open, you know, saying actual names, um, talking about motives of people, things like that, and 
Chade just replies, Regal was certain he had bagged his game. All his watches were relaxed, all his spies given a knight's liberty. He looked at me sourly. I'm sure it will not be the same again for a while. Which is just, you know, confirming what we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. And reaffirming that notion that tonight's actions did spark some suspicion yeah. in Regal. And it will have consequences later. Right. And also, this lets Fitz know that this conversation sparks Fitz learning that Chade can spy on most places in the castle. That he has a network of little holes that peep into different walls and rooms. Mm-hmm. Anywhere I can listen and peep, from there it is possible I could be overheard and spied upon. Only just possible. But one does not get to be as old as I am by taking chances. An old memory suddenly made sense. You once told me that in the Queen's Garden you were blind. Exactly. So you did not know... I did not know what Galen was putting you through at the time he was doing it. I was privy to gossip, much of it unreliable and all of it far after the fact. But on the night he beat you and left you to die, no. He looked at me strangely. Had you believed I could know such a thing and take no action? You had promised not to interfere with my instruction, I said stiffly. Chade took his chair, leaned back with a sigh. I don't think you will ever completely trust anyone, or believe that someone cares about you. Gee, I wonder why that is. Maybe it's because his assassin that he's apprenticing under said, don't trust anybody, and not even me. (laughs) Or it's his previous uh, mentor and father, Beric, quote-unquote killing his dog that he was bonded to. True. Or his grandfather dropping him off in the middle of the night his mother leaving him his mother leaving him you know there's lots of things i mean yes but also (laughs) like pretty rich of chade to be like i can't believe you don't trust me after spending his entire life or fitz's entire life telling him don't trust anybody (laughs) but also it really gives a good in a good look into fitz's frame of mind and fitz seems to take things so literally Mm-hmm. Whereas clearly the lines are a little bit more blurry for Shade. That yes, you have to be prepared for anything and you have to be loyal to the king if he says don't interfere. But that doesn't mean if you see something bad happening, do nothing. Right. And I don't know, it's just it's really interesting that Fitz probably would have let it happen to his friend or something if somebody told him somebody in higher up position told him well you think i couldn't you know come and save you if you were dying but you promised yeah but you said you wouldn't (laughs) yeah oh fits and so jade brings it back to okay we're gonna salvage this situation and fitz asks what can i do and jade's like nothing (laughs) just do absolutely nothing believe that king in waiting verity is dead he is dead. Do nothing else. Placate Regal. He has to think he has won. He has to have nothing to fear. Just let it go. And Fitz stands up and starts to cut his hair off because that's what Regal would expect. Mm-hmm. Just short of a crowned king. So he cuts off his whole warrior's tail. Yeah. Or Chade cuts it off for him. You know, this made me think 
now that Cheetah's like openly agreeing, yeah, Regal's pretty shady and we cannot trust him. Um, if he has all these holes in his walls where he can watch over people, and presumably he has watched over Regal in the past because one of Fitz's first missions was to intercept a letter from somebody mm-hmm. to Regal. Why did Jade not ever know anything that's going on? Because Jade doesn't know that Regal is in cahoots with Kebel Robred or the White Lady, the Pale Lady. I don't think he has any uh, eyes in Galen's tower. Hmm. I think we've spoken on this before because that tower is isolated. It's at the very top of, you know, it's far away. And they describe it as like a very tall tower. And I think we specifically talked about Jade spying on Galen before. Mm. And I know I I figured that he would not be able to because that tower would have to be two times as thick as a regular tower would be, which would be suspicious. Fair. So if they were building a secret stairway in a tower, it would not go all the way to the top kind of thing. Right. So he would not have any ears up there. Hmm. That's okay. Much better closes up that plot hole that I just had formed in my mind. But also, Shade could hear things and suspect things about Regal. And I believe he did because in a few conversations beforehand, he kind of hints that, like, yeah, Regal's stuff, but we can't Mm -hmm. say anything about that. Right. The king has not directed us. We are tools. Uh, I cannot do anything without the king's approval because. I am just a tool and his advisor. Don't speak ill because that's treason. Interesting. (laughs) So I think it was a little bit of both. Like he couldn't hear, he doesn't know all the plans that he was conspiring with the enemy. Right. Because Fitz doesn't suspect that either. But also how did Regal keep that secret? He blabs about everything all the time when he's (laughs) drunk and he is always drunk. Galen probably, I mean, it was happening at the beginning when Galen was still alive. So he and Galen were, planning and plotting together and i think galen directed him more so in the beginning and we kind of were talking about that too that regal needs that direction early but he's kind of like run with everything now and grown into his own villain mastermind shoes Uh so i think galen was mainly spearheading that because he had the skill and could contact kebel robred fair enough it just feels like still, though, Galen's been dead for kind of a while now, and he really held that one secret tight and nothing else. I'm not trying to look for plot holes. It may seem like that, but I'm just saying <laughs> I wish that there was a way that they could have caught him before it got this dire. I'm good at rationalizing things, so. <laughs> That's fair. That's why I bring to you all of my grievances. <laughs> and so... Fitz asks Chade what he's going to do now. If Fitz is doing nothing, what is Chade going to do? And Chade says, I'll be trying to find a safe place for Ketrickin and the king. I must make all things ready for their flight. When they go, they must vanish like shadows when the light comes. And Fitz, Fitz is the one asking, do you think this is actually necessary for them to flee? Yeah. And Chade's like, what else is left for us? They are no more than hostages now, powerless. The Inland Dukes have turned to Regal. The Coastal Dukes have lost faith in King Shrewd. Ketrickin has made herself allies amongst them, however. 
so I must tug the strings that she has spun and see what I can arrange. At least we can see them placed where their safety cannot be used against Verity when he comes back to reclaim his crown. If he returns, I said gloomily. When? The elderlings will be with him. Jade looked at me sourly. Try to believe in something, boy, for my sake. Which is true. He's super pessimistic. But also, that's the elf bark kind of talking. A little bit. But also, Fitz doesn't really believe in elderlings. Which, again, you live in a magic world. Why is it so crazy that maybe they're magic beings? Yeah, but he believes in Verity, and he's gloomy about saying if Verity returns. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. So I really think that's the elf bark speaking, because he has his... As much faith as he can in one person, it's in Verity. Mm -hmm. Or Night Eyes, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> And he describes the next week as the second worst week of his life because the time under Galen's tut tutelage was the worst. No matter where he went in the keep, there were constant reminders that the foundations of his life had been shattered. Nothing would ever be as it was before. And I was kind of thinking about that. I highlighted that in my in my notes here. Mm -hmm. That that is true. The time at Buckkeep as normalcy is completely gone. He's never going to be the war hero who goes out on the ships and helps against the Red Ship Raiders. After, you know, the next week, he's going to be the bastard who killed the king. Yeah. And forever outcast. Like... His time at Buckkeep as a normal person is done. Right. Also, he's going to be outed as witted. Yeah. And the ripples of Regal's rule will harm that image for the rest of his life. Yep. And I feel really bad for him. He doesn't realize, I guess because we are assuming that narrator Fitz is old Fitz. So maybe he does realize in what he's saying, but... It truly won't. Not just in the sense of, wow, things are falling apart and there's not going to be much left to rule for Verity, but yeah, it's not. And this is before Tawny Man Trilogy and a lot of those ripples, this narration, I should say, is before Tawny Man Trilogy mm -hmm. happens and a lot of those old blood ripples that really happen and come to a, uh, come to a head are in the Tawny Man trilogy. Yeah. So not all the consequences have been felt even yet. Yeah. It's a little crazy. To and he's about. isolated. <laughs> also, he's isolated. But also, Fitz never really in the series ever gets to come to Buckkeep as a completely safe place. He does once in the final trilogy when mm -hmm. he is introduced to everybody that scene made me cry when I was reading it the first time when Queen Ketrakin, or actually Prince Dutiful, King Dutiful at the time, mm -hmm. I think announces him and he is welcomed back. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But that's like 60 years from now. Yeah. Ugh, maybe 50 if I'm not. It's 45 years from now. He is, I okay. think, exactly 60 in that And he's series. like 17 now, so okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's... But I was just thinking like next chapter he comes back and there's all the nonsense about the witted ones trying to harm dutiful and, oh next trilogy or, yeah. yes next not next chapter sorry next trilogy is about dutiful getting harmed by mm -hmm. people with the wit and the out island threat whatever's going on there which we later find out what it is but 
yeah, yeah it, he never goes a... back as Fitz chivalry until a, the last yeah. series and it's very short-lived because he's tom badgerlock otherwise yeah which also probably people knew it was Fitz chivalry <laughs> some people did probably oh yeah but they liked him so they kept quiet they let him play his game. <laughs> uh, right, Mr. Tom Badgerlock. Wink. <laughs> Fitz is walking around the keep and just noting all of these changes. Things are getting stripped out. Uh, inlanders are everywhere. And the grumble from Buckkeep Town took the form of jests comparing the invasion of the inlanders with the raids of the out islanders. The humor always had a bitter edge. And all the rooms are being stripped shamelessly of tapestries, rugs, furniture, tools, supplies of all kinds. They're loaded on barges and taken upriver to trade for, always to be, quote, kept safe, or, quote, for the comfort of the king. Some days it seemed that Regal was attempting to see that all he could ca not carry off with him was devoured before he left. This really paints a picture of Regal being just... A plague. Yeah, he's literally just destroying everything in his wake before he leaves. And really, he does kind just of destroy everything of, he touches. Cloud of locusts. He, yeah, he's just, he's like King Midas. He's gross. But instead of turning <laughs> things to gold, he turns things sour. <laughs> <laughs> and so he is waiting here and remarking that you know it, it takes time for the king and waiting ceremony to happen because all the dukes have to be there mm -hmm. so it, it takes a week for all the dukes from the outer duchies to come and they're surprised by you know all of the stripping and the right. well they didn't destruction of the, the outer dukes outer duchies dukes do not know that regal is moving the capital right they only heard slight rumors but they were never formally told mm -hmm. and fitz remarks that it's kind of weird that regal is even going through this whole show anyway because he clearly doesn't care about the outer right. islands it doesn't matter if he's king of them because he doesn't care about them and he's gonna let them die anyway so why does he care he thinks maybe it's some subtle form against verity to make them make his allies witness that or something yeah but again he he kind of thinks as the fool had once warned me there was no point in trying to measure regal's wheat with my bushels we had no common standard yeah so it's just uh miserable at buckkeep and during that whole week justin and serene started haunting fits he was aware of them, often physically following him, but just as often skilling at the edges of Fitz's consciousness. And they were just basically hounding him. He was scared of that, but also terrified that they might just be a distraction, the diversion created to keep him from being aware of Will's more subtle haunting. He says, So I set my guards most strongly about my mind, knowing I probably shielded out Verity as well. I feared this was their actual intent, and dared to reveal that fear to no one. I watched constantly behind myself, using every sense Night Eyes and I possessed. I vowed I would be more wary, and set myself the task of discovering what the other Coterie members worked at. Earl was at Tradeford, ostensibly helping prepare the place for King Shrewd's comfort. 
I had no idea where Carrot was at, and there was no one I could discreetly ask. The only thing I could discover for certain that he was no longer on the Constance, so I worried. It must be miserable being that paranoid and alert 24-7 for... Yeah week on end weeks on end however long i think a full week right well it's worse because it's not just physical harm he has to worry about right, it's yeah. mental so he can't even relax in the safety of his room because walls don't keep out the skill yeah distance doesn't keep out the skill he's always at danger and that's so terrifying and i feel very bad for fits in this week oh god yeah and one morning, Birik told me that Hans was gone. He had not had the time to bid anyone goodbye. They took horses, and Hans was simply told he was to go along. Mm-hmm. And Birik told him to go because they needed people to take care of the horses, and at least one person that he knew and he trusted would go along and take good care of them instead of, you know, right. letting them go to waste. And And besides, there's nothing for him here. There is no stable left for anyone to be stable master over. Right. And clearly, Burek has marked himself as someone not to be trusted, which probably would have happened with or without his recent involvements with Fitz, because he was king's man to Chivalry the Great. So (laughs) I don't think he would have lived a peaceful life regardless of if he knew what was actually going on. I think he would have been held to regal's pettiness no matter what maybe regal would have let him come along but would have demoted him and promoted hands instead which i don't know how he would have been able to enforce but whatever he he wouldn't have demoted Birik. he would have uh sent him out to sent him out to be retired mm, you know yeah. just like hey you're you're no longer wanted here mm-hmm. or maybe he would have just killed him outright who knows yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> Sent him in the uh, the traitor's circle or whatever. Fought the forged ones. Yeah. Fitz and Beric take a tour of the pretty much empty stables and eventually come upon Sudi's empty stall. My heart stood still. I could not speak. I leaned on her manger, my face in my hands. Beric put a hand on my shoulder. When I looked up at him, he smiled oddly. He shook his cropped head. They came for her and Ruddy yesterday. I told them they were fools. They had taken them last week. And truly they were fools, for they believed me. They did get your saddle. Where? I managed to ask. Better you don't know, Beric said darkly. One of us dangling as a horse thief would be quite enough. No more would he save it to me. Which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, also a little crazy that... Even Burek is, like, breaking the law at this point. Yeah, and a horse thief is a very serious crime yeah. in everything. And like he says, one of us dangling, it's it's a death penalty. Uh-huh. And so. he was willing to risk it. Honestly, probably more as a slight to Regal than anything. But also because he knows that's Fitz's horse and he's royalty too. And right. I don't know. It's really cute. And that him ha- hiding those horses away is really important because mm-hmm. those are the horses that Ketcherkin and the Fool take out yes. to escape. After that visit, he has a late afternoon visit to Patience and Lacey. And it wasn't the quiet interlude that Fitz was hoping for because their room is a mess. And not in the usual way. Lacey's trying to put something together from 
the vacancies in there. Yeah. Because they took the table and Lacey's bed. Which is horrible. Right. Supposedly, they were needed for guests. And Fitz has a couple remarks here and just kind of inanely goes on thinking about, like, what they wouldn't stoop to take away and stuff. Just basically mentioning, oh, maybe you'll be fine when you're in Tradeford and mentioning that they're going to leave and go upriver. And Lacey is, after a long silence, says, then they'll wait a long time, Fitzchivalry. We are not among those to be taken to Tradeford. Patience says, no, we're the odd folk left to be here with the oddments of furniture. And she is wiping away tears. Mm -hmm. She has been crying. Do you think she's crying because she's got gotten left out of the Tradeford Brigade? No. No. I think it's just the whole ransacking of her and her husband's home. Mm. Yeah. I think it's just the whole situation. That's fair. I was very she, curious about this, yeah. We also learned that she wasn't let in to see the king. Mm, yeah. She is feeling cowardly herself because she didn't go visit Ketrikin after she heard about the fall, which we'll talk about in a mm -hmm. little bit. So I feel like she's just upset at herself for not taking more of an active role and also upset at the, you know, the desecration. The yeah. And we also mm -hmm. learned that the library is ransacked mm -hmm. and a lot of that's gone. Also, probably now that I'm thinking about it, she doesn't know Verity isn't dead. Oh yeah. Verity is and I'm completely sure, dead to her. Yeah. I'm sure they were somewhat close. Yeah. Presumably. I mean, I mean it's, it's her brother-in-law. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sure they got along. Chivalry was super close with Verity. So yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's really sad to think about that. She's, that's her last of like the family. Cause King Shrewd won't see her. Right. She's not being let in. And she knows King Shrew doesn't like her anyway, so she probably might would see that as her parents oh. are dead. Yeah, she has no family. Right, and she does. Fitz does try to get her to go to Withy Woods. He says, "Why don't you yeah. go to Withy Woods?" And we learn that August is there ruling. Yep, August is still there. The king's nephew, he who was head of Galen's coterie before his accident, which means that he isn't. In a vegetative state, because... We we know he's not vegetative. He's just not all there in his mind anymore. Mm, right. But also, we've had this question before, because I think in the first book we were talking about it, they talked about where August ends up, because his death is super nebulous in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it sounds like he dies really quickly after that accident, and sometimes, like this, he's the lord of Withy Woods for many a year and Fitz has heard that he governed fairly over there at least like yeah. he wasn't a terrible person right so I think like he's just not all there in the head anymore because of that skill burning and he has like a manager run it and he's basically just kind of there and he yeah. dies shortly so probably just young yes but also why was he even lord anyway he's a uh, um isn't he the king's nephew or something well, like that? Well, yeah, but Willie Woods is the is owned by Patience and her parents, I thought. Mm -mm, no, 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 no. Uh, they lived inland. They were in the inland duchies. Oh. And Withy Woods is part of, like, the, the royal estates. Oh, so she was just gifted it. Yep. As, okay. I always assumed that, that was her, like, parents' home. I thought so, too, at first, but we had a... Uh, an excerpt like a, at the top of the 
the chapter. I really need to find a technical term for that. Like a little, <laughs> little italic blurb at the top of each chapter. There was one that was talking about Lady Patience and her parents. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned inland duchies in there. Well, like, I guess I just don't know where Withy Woods Sarah. is anyway, in my mind. It could be anywhere. So the fact that they said they were inland did not dissuade me from thinking yeah. that... It's in Buck Duchy, uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm almost 100% positive it's in Buck Duchy. I suppose there is a map in this book. Yeah. <laughs> and it's within a day's ride because Fitz sends Riddle there all the time with gifts later with Molly and... Um, or I guess that's to Molly and Birik's place. But uh, they ride back and forth to Withy Woods. So I'm pretty sure it's in Buck Duchy. It is not labeled on the map, so... Okay. Unclear. <laughs> At least not that map. Uh, not There's the probably... map in front of the Royal Assassin book in this version, which is the 2014 Delray Mass Market Edition. So. There you go. Woody Woods isn't that important. Apparently not. So Fitz kind of offers his bed to Lacey, like, hey, I can bring my bed down here. And Lacey's like, no, don't trouble yourself. I have a pallet made. Like, we're good. And also, then your bed would also get taken. So. (laughs) And Patience and Fitz go through the conversation we just kind of had. Has King Shrewd no care for what is happening? She asked. I do not know. All are turned away from his door these days. Regal has said he is too ill to see anyone. And this is this is where this line following this that patient says is where I kind of get that she could be crying over like lost family and things like that. Right. Because she says, I thought perhaps it was just me he would not see. Ah well, poor man, to lose two sons and see his kingdom come to this. Tell me, how is Queen Ketrickin? I have not had a chance to go see her. Well enough, last I saw her, grieved by her husband's death, of course, but then she was not injured in her fall. I feared she would miscarry. Patience turned aside from me to gaze at a wall bereft of a familiar tapestry. I was too cowardly to go and see her myself, if you would know the truth. I know too well the pain of losing a child before you have held it in your arms. Her fall, I said stupidly. Had you not heard... On those awful steps coming down from the Queen's Garden, there was a talk that some statuary had been removed from the gardens, and she had gone to see what, and on her way back down she fell, not a great tumbling fall, but heavily, on her back on those stone steps. Fitz excuses himself as fast as he can after that. We know Rosemary is the one who does this. Mm -hmm. And Fitz goes to investigate right away. First he goes to Ketrickin's room, where... He's not allowed in to see her, but her ladies um, basically, you know, tell him, oh, no, she's she's fine. fine. She just needs to rest. Yeah, Yeah. she needs to rest. So he just confirms that she did not miscarry at the moment, and then he goes to investigate the tower. He sees some of the statuaries and the statues have been taken down and ransacked. Some are left. He thinks due to just being too heavy to move. Yeah. (laughs) Which is probably fair. They're pure stone. Mm-hmm. solid stone and as he go- goes back down he investigates the steps to see if anything has been tampered with and he finds something on the ninth step down yes he almost finds it in the way ketrickin had yeah even as he was being super careful mm-hmm. which begs the question did they quietly take statues out of the queen's garden 
and then only spread word after Rosemary had been able to put the sauce. That is not the word. The sauce. <laughs> oil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some yummy lamp oil. Lamp black had been mixed with the grease to take the sheen off of it and blend it with the well-used steps. Yes. So, but it couldn't have been there while they were moving things because they would have slipped. So it couldn't have just been there hoping she would go up to her garden. And they would have been taking stuff anyway, so it's not that surprising they took stuff out of her garden. But I'm just wondering, like, what's the timeline like? Did they purposely... Do they have to move quietly? Because otherwise she would have gone up and stopped them, presumably. Yeah, I have the same uh, sentence highlighted. There was talk that some statuary had been removed from her gardens. Mm-hmm. So they had removed it, spread rumors or, you know, yeah. spoken the right ears that something had been removed. And I guess it was done before she went up, but it could be done as she was looking around the gardens. That's a good point. And then Rosemary rushes back down. Because we learn later that Rosemary thinks it was propositioned to her like a game. This is all a game. It's just a little trick, a little prank that you're playing on her. Put this here. Right. But also, isn't she kind of old enough to know? Oh, she's like seven or eight. I don't know. Maybe. Actually, I don't have any children of my own in my life at the moment. She's somewhere from six to eight. I don't remember exactly where. And she's also an orphan who does not talk. Fair. (laughs) Well, she talks. She talks, but like almost never. Yeah. Mm. I guess I just don't know how mature, like what age kids start realizing right from wrong and like where the line of maturity is. Because I feel like 12, definitely, you know, right from wrong. Think back to, to where. Mm. Think back to where Fitz was when he was first getting trained. You even remarked on this before. Some of those games might not have been harmless. Yes. If he was asked to put this little powder in this thing, oh, it'll make him feel a little sick. It'll be a fun prank to play, and it kills somebody. True. He wouldn't really know. I suppose. Ooh, don't love that. Yeah, I guess this just comes down to me being like come on rosemary you didn't know but also she's like a literal child so. <laughs> i'm i'm you know just thinking of her as the grown-up that we meet later so i suppose she is like seven so i'll give her a pass this time but she's on thin ice <laughs> and as fitz is checking out the grease The fool surprises him, and he almost falls, (laughs) (laughs) and Fitz basically says, hey, I've been followed of late, my nerves are all a jangle, don't do that to me, I'm not in the mood for it, and instantly demands, how's the king, as the fool is kind of staying in shadows a little bit. You tell me, the fool stepped out of the shadows, gone were his fine clothes replaced with an old motley of blue and red. It went well with the new bruises that modeled one side of his face. On his right cheek, the flesh had been split. One arm carried the other close to his chest. I suspected a dislocated shoulder. Not again, I gasped. Exactly what I said to them. They, sm- they paid small attention. Some folk just not have not the knack of conversation. So, as they were questioning King Shrewd, the fool explains that... 
he was suggesting too wittily, maybe, that they should take themselves everywhere else, <laughs> and perhaps uh, some other ways they might amuse themselves, and they threw him out. Fitz immediately goes to, what did the king tell them? Ah, not was the king all right, or was the king recovering? No, only what did the king tell them? Do you fear your precious hide is in danger, princeling? Fitz says no, and explains that as long as the king says nothing of Verity being alive, then Regal has no reason to, you know, take everybody else out. Yeah. Which, I think this is hard because clearly they are both at their wit's end. Yes. This oh, is a yes. very horrible situation to be in. They're both pretty young, and they have differing points of view, I think, in this point. The fool is taking out his anger on Fitz and trying to hurt him by saying, you're just, you only care about yourself. And that's kind of hurtful because Fitz clearly has no concern for his own safety. Yeah, he says, I could feel uh, no resentment at his question or even how he phrased it. I deserved it. Yeah. So he's like, he's still self-pitying as Fitz always is. Right. But also... You know, he recognizes that the fool is well, no, I don't think he does recognize the fool is just mad. Right. Right. But yeah, so it's just really hard to watch these two friends take it out on each other almost. I guess Fitz isn't super laying into the fool the way he could be, but it's still sad. No, the, Fitz recognizes here the anger that the fool does have and he's actually emotionally intelligent in this situation for this conversation at least a little bit more so than <laughs> he normally is he says i had not taken good care of our friendship lately despite that when he needed help he had come to me so he's just you know staying even True. keeled calm and explaining his position and the fool goes on to tell him about what uh what happened? What happened and how the king hasn't really been answering any of the questions. My king was being taciturn. It started out as a pleasant conversation between father and son, with Regal telling him how pleased he would, he should be to have him finally as king in waiting. King Shrewd was rather vague, as he often is these days. Something about it irritated Regal, and he began to accuse him of not being pleased, of even being opposed. Finally, he began to insist there was a plot, a conspiracy to see that he never came to the throne. No man is so dangerous as the man who cannot decide what he fears. Regal is that man. Even Wallace was put ajar by his rantings. It's really crazy to hear about Regal and his outbursts and the way he acts and know that he still has followers that don't see any faults because we see the inside yeah true i guess his followers don't really see this but they do see his drunken rants about conspiracies the way his mother used to be sure. although they liked her too yeah so he has power as well he's do gonna you... be the king okay this is a little shady of me to say <laughs> But do you think the real reason Regal is so popular is because he's kind of easy to manipulate? Definitely could be. 
As long as you make it sound like it's his idea and you praise him and give him drugs and you're on his side. Yeah. You probably get him to do anything you want. 100%. I mean, he's powerful. He has obvious vices and easy ways to get to him. And mm-hmm. you can easily pick a side in a very demonstrable way by just being mean to the coastal people. Yep. <laughs> so... Which you probably don't like anyway if you're from the inlands. Right, right. Especially right now in the middle of a war where all of your money is going to them. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of mean of me to say. But honestly, can't think of a greater reason why people in power would seem to flock to him. It'll bring them more power. Yeah. And... Give them good parties, too. True. Those parties must be lit, honestly. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to go to his parties because no. he's a horrible human being, but also kind of want to go to his parties. <laughs> I would want to be in the room next door to them just so like I could have the food and like the drinks and stuff, but not be near them at all. <laughs> True. Yeah, they're kind of horrible people. Yeah. And that's... speaking of how horrible he is, he imprisons his own father during this conversation throws wallace out and all of his pain medication and basically says the king doesn't need any medication until he starts talking to me also nobody says anything about this everybody just goes along with it and they're like yes my liege like dude that's the real king you can't just treat him like that but they can because it is regal who is in charge at this point but Regal would remorselessly watch while the pain crept past the numbing herbs to overwhelm his father. I could not imagine a man being capable of this, yet I knew Regal would do it. When did this happen? Just an hour or so ago. You are not an easy person to find. And so the fool immediately goes to Fitz after all of this happens, or tries to go to Fitz. And it is a mark on their friendship and the fool's faith in what Fitz can do. Yeah. Fitz directs the fool to go down to Beric because he knows that the healer won't touch him. And the fool asks, what will you be doing? I don't know, I replied honestly. This was exactly one of the situations I had warned Chade about. I knew whether I acted or not, the consequences would be grave. I needed to distract Regal from what he was doing. Chade, I was sure, was aware of what was going on. If Regal and all others could be lured away for a time, I could think of only one piece of news that might be important enough to Regal to make him leave shrewd. And that piece of news, as we find out in the next chapter, is Ketrakin miscarrying. Mm-hmm. When I was first reading this, I was like, oh, is it, is it going to say that Verity's alive? Like, I was a first-time reader not remembering what happened next, but uh-huh. I remember, and I, I looked ahead to confirm that a little bit later, that Fitz asks Ketrakin to pretend that she's miscarrying and to say, like, I fear that I might have miscarried, and Wallace would go, and Regal couldn't help himself but go along to check. Right. Because he's but disgusting. Just a side note, she does... Yes, later she does. So it is very sad, but yeah. also, I guess, needed to help the king. I don't know. It's. I don't know if it's at the same time, to be honest. Yeah. Or if it was a mis. I think it's a miscarriage because she. I'm pretty sure she leaves 
pregnant still. Yeah. And I think it's a miscarriage on the journey. Right. It is a tough journey and it's a very stressful situation to be in. So, I mean, it does make sense. It just, yeah. And so Fitz starts to go down the steps and the fool stops him and makes him promise or tells him, threatens him. When you take my king away, I go with him. I mean it. I wore Regal's collar for the sake of that promise from him. It means nothing now to him. I can make no promises, I said quietly. I can. I promise that if my king is taken and I do not go with him, I will betray every one of your secrets. Every one. The fool's voice was shaking. He put his head back against the wall. I turned away hastily. The tears on his cheeks were tinged pink from the cuts on his face. I could not bear to see them. I ran down the stairs. Things are accelerating. Yeah. And Fitz has kind of verbalized in this chapter what we already knew of how he's a catalyst and what the fool has told him. His choices have consequences that pile up and... Mm -hmm. There are events that happen if he acts or if he doesn't act, Mm -hmm. there is going to be a huge repercussion throughout everything. Right. This is, I think, one of the few times we see Fitz kind of think of head about what does this mean? What are the consequences of what I'm about to do in a way that I think is different than later? Okay, so... I agree with you, but at the same time, I feel like we're not giving him enough credit because I feel (laughs) like there are times where he does think ahead. It's just that when he messes up, it's so monumental Mm -hmm. when he rushes things in. That's all we remember. True. So I feel like there are times that we're not we're not giving them the benefit of the doubt for. But at the same time, I can't remember them. (laughs) I'm sure in his practices of being an assassin. There are times right, when he's yeah. thinking ahead. He just and doesn't. It's not long term. Also, he probably doesn't narrate every time he thinks ahead. But it, I feel like when he does, it's usually not long term. What does this mean? And right. in this moment where he realizes every little choice he's made up to this point has put everyone he loves in danger of dying, he realizes, okay, whatever I choose needs to be something that is a good ripple and i have to make sure that this steers away from people dying right and it feels more big picture rather than get from point a to point b yeah so maybe that's the difference is just what do these ripples mean and can i handle that in the future this chapter is just tense right because i know what's coming and coming shortly. And I don't want to get there and read it. <laughs> yeah. I know. I I can feel myself pulling back from wanting to read uh, this series. Because we're getting to it so slowly. That it's like, oh, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to see. I don't want Fitz to go through all the pain. And maybe if I bring up all the things that could have changed right now, it won't happen. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you have anything to say about these chapters or how 
Dom Fitz is in the future, or if he actually does plan ahead, please let us know. Email us your theories. Comment to us what you think about things. Message us your memes. We're at isfitshappy at gmail.com or isfitshappy Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and that is our username on Reddit as well. Okay, so... The second part of our episodes. The mini podcast part <laughs> um, with viewership participation. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start out just by saying thank you to the people who reached out and were concerned. Uh, we missed last week. Uh, there was just unexpected family emergency that we had to attend to. And we're back now. Everything is Okay. We're doing good here. Mm -hmm. um, thank you all for your love and concern. Yeah, the outpouring support is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, support systems are very important yes. in every single time. So family was our first go-to, but we really appreciate you guys being there for us too. Yeah. And we do want to say that it just, we apologize for not having a show ready to go for you guys. We just had a couple long weeks and not really any time to prepare for unexpected problems yeah yeah um so try just, to get uh try to get ahead of the schedule and start re recording early a little bit but you know how it goes sometimes <laughs> sometimes we're it works all living out, the sometimes. same life yeah. in some capacity <laughs> but yeah thank you guys for being understanding and thank you to everyone who reached out we appreciate it yeah Without further ado, we have a interesting comment that we got, a message on uh, Instagram from Vanessa. And they were talking about our conversation around Farseer heirs and how the fool wanted a Farseer heir to multiply the possibilities for the future. That's we were kind of discussing, you know, who those heirs were and how Dutiful was one of those heirs, but Nettle was also that possibility mm -hmm. with Molly being pregnant. And Vanessa brings up the the point that if Nettle is an heir, why isn't there that future with Fitz being also a Farseer heir? Why isn't there those, you know, multiple points spanning out and all the possibilities? Mm -hmm. Why does Molly or Ketchikan have to be pregnant for those new things to happen? And... They also say maybe the fool couldn't see past Fitz's death, which I I really liked the phrasing of some of those and, and the thoughts that this brought to me mm -hmm. uh, because I, I was thinking that if there's no heir besides Fitz for the Farseer line, the chances that it continues is, is incredibly small because Fitz isn't supposed to be alive. Right. He is the catalyst. He's the one that is against all odds mm -hmm. so if everything is relied on for him being alive the past that the, the past of the future that the fool could get to through fits has to be incredibly infinitesimally small to get to those future paths mm -hmm. like there may be like one string that he could get to with a huge branching right but with a new baby or an extra two babies the past multiply so much more so it's it's incredibly slim that Fitz survives how he does, mm -hmm. especially like, you know, using his wit to go into Night Eyes and then 
be revived back into his body. There were a lot of times where Fitz almost gave up, and it took months for him to get back to a normal semblance of a human. Yeah. So, for the Fool's future, I think it's mostly the Fool hedging his bets and saying, like, there has to be more Farseer heirs yeah for my future to actually work because you are not going to be the solution i need you to shift the future to help that come up to life right but there needs to be other people for you to help mm-hmm. yeah it is it does it does bring up the point that the fool is convinced fitz is going to die at the, some point like yeah. yeah it's just well at some point clearly <laughs> but in a way that makes him useless after death to getting on the path that Fool wants. Yeah. And also, I, I was kind of thinking, it could be possible that, and it is po- and it is true, that those babies, the future heirs, mm-hmm. are needed for the Tawny Man trilogy plot lines. Like, also that. They need to be in those positions for that to work out. To bring dragons back. And I don't think the fool is thinking that far ahead yet. So I think the elderlings are his like his goal. Like we need to do this in order right. to secure this. But well, because that's he, like a pipe dream. Yeah, he <laughs> thinks the elderlings, number one, are still alive. And number two, are going to bring back dragons in some way. Yeah. Although it's very unclear if he's always known that dragons are the end goal. I think it's very unclear to him as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like he's he just pushed n- towards this direction and he needs to do this before he can think of anything else. It's, I almost view it the way I view how the fool picks which path to go on is that there's all these like little light paths that stream out of everything and they're different colors. And the brighter the color, the better the future yeah and just the world as a whole is on such a dark path that he doesn't really know what the light one brings but he knows that it's better than whatever path it is they're on now Mm -hmm. and the little branching part has to be fitz making a decision basically Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) which is a big ask so (laughs) so thank you so much for messaging us to that It, it made me think a little bit more in depth about the farseer airs and the fool's abilities and things like that so yeah. that was a, a fun little fun little brain exercise there <laughs> and i think that's it for all the messages that we had this week yeah but i do want to send out a thank you to everyone who has sent in things before but also who has told your friends about us your family yeah. about us or you know maybe this sparked your interest in this series again to tell other people to read this series yeah. things like that it's it's awesome and i do want to give a special shout out to those who have rated us or reviewed us on your favorite podcasting applications apple Podcasts, spotify podcast addict Castbox, um i don't know pod chaser listen notes there's a billion of them <laughs> and i'm not even sure all of the platforms that we appear on we have magic internet box do that for us so yes <laughs> Thank you, everyone, who has um, supported us in every single way. And we been really part of the do, process. And have been a part of the process. We really do appreciate everything you guys have done. Thank you, guys. 